0: This last week, it's been a good week. But boy, the devil has fought like crazy all weekend. I mean, ask my wife. My nerves have been shot since Friday night. I don't know why. The devil's just been fighting. But my God is great. Despite all life's troubles and life's heartaches, friend, my God is so great. I don't care how depressed you may be how low you might get. Friend, we serve a mighty awesome God. Friend, in this very moment, I just feel that sweet presence because He is truly wonderful. He is truly special. Sometimes you just need to take a step back and not do anything and just experience the Spirit. Just let the Spirit overwhelm you. Just let the Spirit wrap His arms around you and say, you're mine. You ever had God do that to you? Just give you a big old bear hug and say, you're mine. You're mine. And if you have never had that happen tonight, oh, tonight you need to let God just wrap you up in His arms and be His. Be His child. Just like a little child runs up to the daddy or the mama and and says, hold me. Just come to the father and say, father, hold me tonight. Hold me. Sometimes we just need to be held. Sometimes we just need to sit on our daddy's lap and hear what he has to say to us. Sometimes it's just as simple as I love you. I love you. I'm going to be continuing on in the book of Ephesians tonight, but I can't help but to just take a step back and reverence my God. Because He's here. He's He's never left. He's been here for six months. I mean, He's been here. He's been here. And if you haven't felt His presence here, friend, you might need to get an altar. You might need to rededicate. You might need to get reignited by the flame. You might need to move a little closer to the stove. Because he's been here. And if you ain't felt him, if you ain't recognized who's here, then your wood's wet and something's wrong. Because he's here. I don't know that I've ever felt the spirit here the way that I feel it tonight. He's just an awesome God. I, I can't put him into words, Brother Bob. I can't. I can't even fathom the, the, uh, the nature of His holiness and why He would choose to love the nature of a sinner like me. I mean, think about it. Why would a holy God, a God who hates sin, and Daryl said say a God who hates the sinner, but yet through His infinite mercy He sent His only begotten Son to a wretched cross. Where I was supposed to be. To hang on a cross. To die for our sin. Great are you Lord. Our hearts should be crying tonight. Great are you Lord. We ought to be able to lift our hands and say great are you Lord. Great are you Lord. Friend, if you're not in that type of relationship with Him, that's the type of relationship He desires. He desires a closely knit walk with Him. And tonight, that's what the whole book of Ephesians is teaching us, is to have that close and that deep and intimate walk with the Son of God. He's not just our Savior. He's not just the God, the Creator of the universe. Friend, He is my best friend. And if He's not your best friend, then you need to renew the right relationship with Him. Because He wants that type of relationship. He wants us to walk in that unity with Him. I didn't finish all of last week's sermon. so on Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read 1 through 6 again. It says I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight as humble as we know how. And Father, I just want to soak up your presence tonight. God, as I as I used to go to my parents' house every Sunday afternoon after church, God, and being in the sweet fellowship of my family, and being in that close knit relationship with our family. Father, I'm thankful that I can come into the house of God and that I can be in the close knit fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that I can be in the closeness of my God, the creator of the universe, the great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I'm so thankful that I can be so close to You, that I can feel Your arms wrap around me. And Father, my heart will cry, great are You, Lord. Father, I am nothing, I am nobody, but Father, You are my everything. And Father, I pray to give You glory tonight. I pray that we'll be able to give You the praise. Father, I pray that somebody here, Lord, if they're not walking in right relationship with you, that you would draw them unto you. God, that you would renew the right fellowship, that they too may walk in this unity. Father, I love you tonight, and I pray that you'd use me tonight for your glory. Hide me behind the cross, and I pray that you'd guard my tongue, Lord, that I may preach with the boldness and with the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Father, we love you tonight. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. I'm just going to uh, uh, rehash what I talked about last Sunday. Last Sunday, we got to where it says, uh, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And last week, I talked about how uh, we are to walk. And we are to walk with all lowliness, meaning the humbleness of mind or the humility of mind or modesty. And I told us how that modesty is not simply uh, wearing dress clothes or wearing a dress that is uh, covering the uh, immodest body parts, but modesty is an attitude. Modesty comes from the Holy Spirit. And friend, if you are not walking in the Spirit, then you're probably not walking in modesty. Modesty uh, is a way of thinking. Modesty is a way of the heart. A modesty, if you are to walk in modesty, it must first be in your heart, then it must be in your mind before it will ever produce fruit on the outside. And so we are to understand that we are to walk with lowliness. We are not to puff ourselves up uh, over one another. We are not to have a high-minded attitude, uh, thinking of ourselves better than somebody else, but we are to think of others better than ourselves. In Colossians chapter... Uh, uh 3, uh, verses 12, uh, says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy uh, holy and beloved vows of mercies, kindness, wholeness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And we learned about how in Philippians chapter 2 he said, Let nothing be done through uh, strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. So we are not to be high-minded thinking of ourselves better than others, but rather on the contrary thinking of others better than ourselves. I told us that we will not experience the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace if we are not to do what this word says And that word is endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. There will be no unity within the church until we make an effort to provide that unity. There will be no unity in the church body unless we do give diligence to one another. There will be no unity in the church unless we labor and study one another. And that simply means that we get to know one another on a personal level. How do I uh, uh, make sure that I keep the unity in my marriage? I study my wife. We're always evolving. Our marriage always evolves. We're always changing. I promise you, I'm not the same man that I was four and a half years ago when we first got married. She would probably tell you that she's not the same young lady that she was when we first got married because we simply evolve over time. And there are certain things about us that change that if we are not studying our spouses... We will not notice. Perhaps even ourselves will change when we are not even paying attention. And there's been a lot of times when uh, my wife would bring something to my attention and I thought, well, I ain't really changed all that much. But as I started praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord started opening my eyes, saying, Ben, yeah, you really have. And you really need to work on that area in your life. And uh, I think one way of how we can change for the bad is we get lazy. We get slothful. Okay? We get slothful. And slothfulness or slumberness is the opposite of endeavoring. Because endeavoring is meaning that you're willing to put in the hard work to make sure that there is unity in that place. We are as the body of Christ to do the hard work. Even when it's biting our tongue, when we know that we're right, but that other person thinks... They're more right than we are. Sometimes it's just bridle the tongue and don't say a word. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's how we endeavor, church. We endeavor by making an effort. And you can't bridle your tongue if you're not making an effort. You can't turn about a horse's body if you're not pulling that bridle a certain direction, right? If you're not pulling back on the horse's reins, that horse ain't going to slow down. So if you're not pulling back on the reins of this flapper, it ain't going to slow down. It's just going to keep spewing that deadly poison. That's what endeavoring means. It means that when somebody else is right, but you think you're right, but in the end you turn up to be wrong, it means you're willing to go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry, I I was wrong. And you're right. Let's do it that way. Let's be okay with each other, okay? It's okay to agree to disagree. But we must endeavor to keep the bond of peace in the spirit of unity. It's okay to to come to the pastor and say, Pastor, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. And I'll say, okay, let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's get in the Word of God and look at it. And it's okay for us to say, okay, I was wrong. Because if we are to have the spirit of unity in the church... It's going to start with the head of the church and work its way down. Amen. Amen. Christ is the head, amen? But under Christ, God has ordained me to be the overseer of this local assembly. And if there is to be unity in this church, it must flow through me tonight. Amen. And I want you to see that I am trying to make effort in this church to bring the unity and the bond of peace. Because I want to be pleasing unto God. I want God to look at Bluebell Freewood Baptist Church and say, well done. Well done. You're doing what I tell you to do. You're you're keeping my commandments. You're winning souls. You're endeavoring to make the unity in the church prosper. Endeavoring means to use speed. So when we say we're going to do something, let's get to it. And let's do it. Let's not put it off. Let's just do it right away. If we know that God is in it, if we know that God is leading us to do that, then friend, let's not put off to tomorrow what we can do today. Let's use speed and get it done. If we know, Brother Bob, that we need to go to Mexico, even if it's not a, a scheduled trip, if there's something that they need down there, let's make haste and make sure that they get what they need. It ain't got to be in March. It don't have to be in July. It don't have to be in December. We can go any that the Lord lays it on our hearts to go. If there's another country that that we feel that God is calling us to go, then bless God, let's do the fundraising, let's make the effort to get it done, and let's go. Amen? If there's something in Sepulpa that needs to be done, friend, let's come together. One mind and one accord, seeking the Lord. And if the Lord is leading us and giving us liberty, then friend, let's make haste and do it speedily unto the Lord. He said, not love in word and deed only, but in truth. Amen. Amen? He said, and if you do anything, do it heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. Listen, I'm not up here trying to please you. And Bluebell shouldn't be here to try and please Kellyville and Sepulpa. Bluebell is here to please him, to please God. And if we're not walking in the spirit of unity, friend, then we're not pleasing the Most High God. We must walk in the spirit of unity, we must walk according to the Word of God. But we must do it in a lowliness of heart. Chuck Smith said, The man who truly understands what God has done is humbled by what God has done. The man who had a true confrontation with God is humbled by that confrontation. Moving on to verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, in one hope of your calling. Tonight, I I thought it was interesting because uh, in... Verses four through six, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in three verses, the word one is mentioned seven times in three verses. Now, if you've studied the word of God, that you understand that the number three and the number seven are vitally important. The number three represents God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And you cannot have unity unless all three are present. The number seven is vitally important because all throughout Scripture, it represents completeness. It represents a oneness. It represents unity. It represents perfectness. And so if we are to uh, uh, forgive one another... And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Well, what is the bond of perfectness? It is oneness by love. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, he said, being rooted and grounded in love. If this church, and I'm talking not just about Blue Belt, but if the body of Christ is to have unity within it, we must be grounded in the love of God. In the love of Christ. I want us to look first at that one body. I'm going in order tonight. I I'm, I'm I hope you ain't in a hurry to get cake and ice cream. Listen, that, that will be there. But like I told you this morning, I'm going to give you the T-bone steak before we go have dessert. So let's look at what God is trying to tell us tonight. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. Part A, if you will. One body. One body. What does that mean? It means that all the many members, and I don't know if I told y'all Wednesday night about the Brazilian lady that I spoke to at Lowe's, but I talked to a lady at Lowe's Wednesday. She's up in age. I don't know exactly how old she is, but her and her husband used to pastor a church in Minneapolis, Minnesota for six years. Um, But she came to America at the age of 29 uh, from Brazil. And she was telling me, she said, uh, it doesn't matter if we do great things. She said, when I got saved, I thought I had to be this great missionary. She said, I thought I had to leave my home country and go to Africa and win as many people to the Lord as as I could. But she said, God led me in a different path. She said, I had no idea that I would eventually marry a pastor and pastor in one of the most liberal cities in America. And try to win the gospel or try to win the people to the Lord. but she said in that six years she said it made me thankful for my upbringing because she said I've seen a lot of different things that I've never seen before in Minneapolis. She said when they moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma said that she realized that God has not called her to be some great missionary God has not called her to do some great evangelical work. But God has called her to be who she is and that she could do a great work just by simply sharing her faith with her neighbor. She was endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because she was willing to forgo her wants and her desires to say, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll say whatever you want me to say. But in that conversation, we got to talking about, and I, I didn't even tell her, I was preaching on this series, but she started talking about the body of Christ. And she said, you know, the body of Christ has many members. She said, you've got uh, the Caucasians and the African Americans and, and, and the Brazilian folk and the Mexicans, and, and, and you've got all these different nationalities in the body of Christ. And we all have a specific duty and obligation to fulfill for the cause of Christ. But she said, "It's when we get in the spirit," and she and she's talking about how important it is to know our responsibility. She said it took me a long time to understand what my responsibility was in the body of Christ. But she said I used to think that if I wasn't the the hands or the feet that that I was no no count that I had no importance in the church. But she said I realized and I heard a sermon on a preacher preaching that if if, if uh, uh, someone Uh, was in an accident and their pinky toe got cut off, that their body would be unbalanced. Or if their uh, 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 hand was missing a finger, they would lose the grip that they had in that hand. Or if uh, they had damage to their ear, that it would prevent them from hearing clearly. And she said, I learned right then how important every part of the body really is. It is so important for us tonight no matter how small you may feel you are, rejoice in that. Rejoice in what God has given you, even in the small thing. Because even in the small thing, God can use it and magnify it for His glory. Even in the small thing, He can bring that lost soul out of the pit of hell. If you'll just simply be obedient to the Spirit. God's not called everybody to be a preacher. God has not called everybody to be a singer or a musician or a teacher. He's not called us to do those He's not called all of us to do those things. But God has called every one of us to evangelize the lost. And evangelizing the lost means that we are sharing the gospel and that we are making disciples as He made disciples. That we are being led by the Spirit of God in sharing the gospel. Romans chapter 12 verses 5 through 21. It's a lot of reading. Okay, it's a lot of reading. But I want you to pay very close attention because there is important stuff in this. Verse 5 of Romans chapter 5 says, So we, being many, are one body. I like that. We are one body in Christ Christ. Not in Blue not in the Church of God, not in the Free Will Baptist, not in the Southern Baptist, not in the Independent Baptist, not in the Church of the Nazarene, but in Christ we are made one body. And every one members one of another. Meaning that just because the body is many members, we are to use our membership to edify one another. And that is to lift up one another on our most holy faith, as Jude uh, 22 says. It says, One body in Christ, and every one members of one another, having then guilt deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with, uh, which is, uh, he, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimula, uh, dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Now I want you to pay very close attention to this. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know what that word fervent means? To make haste. To make effort. It's a synonym for endeavoring. To be fervent. The Bible says, I believe it's in uh, uh, First Peter, the prayer of a righteous man, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. America has never seen persecution. Never. There's churches. I bet there's 15 churches in every city in America. I ain't talking bad about Sand Springs, but I, I was driving through. I took my wife to Sand Springs, and we were driving there. I can't remember exactly what store it was by. It's near the Quick Trip there on the main strip. I took down. I went down a back road there in Sand Springs, and I had no idea where I was going. I was just showing my wife around. I honestly, showing myself around because I had never been there. And we were riding down the road, and I bet I seen five churches within a, in a block. Five different denominations. And that is in every city in America. I mean, why do we have so many churches? Because somewhere along the way, nobody was able to keep the bond of peace by the spirit of unity. Because everybody wanted to be the eye and not the pinky toe. And everybody wanted to be the tongue and not the leg bone. And everybody wanted to be the brain. And not the big toe. And everybody wanted to be the foot and not the hand. And everybody wanted to be the uncomely parts and not the parts that had to get dirty and get, get to work. People want to be behind the scenes. People that said, well, I'm saved and I'm, I'm in the body of Christ, but you know what? I think I'm just going to sit still and not do anything. Friend, you are crippling the church. If you think there is no obligation to you in the body of Christ, you're wrong. Because in order to keep the bond of peace, you must get to work. Bless them which persecute you. We've never seen persecution in America. Notice he said again, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Boy, the Lord reminds me of what He said in Matthew chapter 6 when He said to treat others as you would have men to treat you. Sometimes that's hard, ain't it? He said, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Ouch. Ouch. You can say, oh me, if you don't want to say amen. <laughs> Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt hit coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 5 might not have blessed y'all the same way it blessed me. But believe me, before it blessed my soul, I had to say, Oh me, Lord. Oh, be Lord, I've got things I need to work on. I, I've got things I need to improve on. I, things I need to repent of. Things that I need to go to and make right. And it's okay. It's okay for the light of the glorious gospel to shine in our hearts. To make known our sin. And bring us broken before a holy God. So that we might be forgiven. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 through 16 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, so with the which also you are called in one body, and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Moving on. He said there is one body, in verse number 4 of chapter 4, and one spirit. Next way I see, one spirit. There is many people, when I talked to a, a guy from India, and I've shared with you Wednesday and Thursday, because listen, it just thrilled my soul to death uh, to make a friend in India. But as I was talking to him, he was telling me, he said, I go into villages of my people, villages that I grew up in, and many people hold to the tradition of Hinduism. He said, they serve almost 330 gods. The Hindu religion has almost 330 gods that they worship. He said, when I was a little boy, I singled out one god to worship. Because, he said, I thought in my mind, there is no way a single person can worship 330 gods. He said, so I singled out one of the Hindu gods, and that's who I made my god, and that's who I worshiped. But he said, I noticed that as I was trying to live righteous, because he said, even in the Hindu uh, religion, they, they uh, talked about how that uh, um, those who done righteously and those who done what the gods told them to do would go to heaven and they would enjoy a life of peace. But those who rebelled against the gods that they worship would burn in hell. And, and and once they burned up, it was it was over with. But then he said, but my friend, uh, came into my village preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and that He was the only way of salvation. And he, he said, I was living in sin. I knew that I wasn't living right according to my God, but he said, I never heard the gospel in this way. And he said, it opened my eyes. And he said, I wanted to so live for Jesus Christ. And he said, when I surrendered my heart and life to Him, he said, I was a new man. He said, the the, the the desires of the flesh that I had went away. He said, I wanted to live holy. I wanted to be a man of God. I wanted to take my wife and my children and teach them about the gospel and teach them about the word of God. His father was a pastor and now he's a pastor. And he's uh, he's got three sons and two of them are pastors. And it's all because of the decision That he made when he was a teenager. He said I'm going to forsake my heritage. I'm going to forsake what I've been taught all my life. I'm going to forsake the 330 dead gods. And I'm going to choose to serve the one true God. There's one spirit tonight. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Notice it's capitalized. One spirit meaning there is one God. There is one true holy God. Christianity is not a a, a multiple facet way to heaven. Christianity, the true Christianity, not America's Christianity. The true Christianity is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Because there's one Spirit. You can't go to heaven by, by paying the preacher. You can't go to heaven by buying me a $500 suit. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. You can't go to heaven by putting your name on the church pew or buying the church a new piano. You can't go to heaven by by building an orphanage in in a foreign country. You can't go to heaven by sending $1,000 a month to St. Jude's Hospital. All that is fine and all that is good and that uh, that is a great blessing to those places, but it will not get you to heaven. There is only one Spirit that will get you to heaven and that is the Spirit... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. One spirit. I wrote down in my notes. This life is a singular walk. You can't walk any other way. Matthew chapter 7. Said, and Jesus said. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For narrow is the way. That leadeth unto life. There is one way. But the way to hell is many ways. You can get to hell in many different ways. But friend there is only one way you must walk. And that is according to the Holy Word of God. This life is a singular walk. With a singular Savior. Did y'all hear me? With a singular Savior. Now go down to Sepulpa and you tell them that there is only one Savior that came to die for their sins. And they will look at you and laugh. In your own hometown. And that's everywhere in America. Because they're so used to hearing the American gospel. They're so used to hearing that if you'll just be a good person. If you'll just do this or do that, then you're fine. You ain't got to worry about hell. But friend, there's many different ways of deception that will lead you to hell. And there is only one man. It wasn't uh, 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 the leader of the Davidican cult. He ain't Jesus. And he found out real quick that he wasn't Jesus. There's only been one Jesus. And he rose again on the third day. Signifying his death and justifying our sin. Saying that we, whosoever will, would come unto him and be born again. We would be born again of not of uh, of flesh, but of the Spirit. Not of flesh because we couldn't enter the second time into our mother's womb. But our spirits were born again and that one Spirit is what will take us to heaven with a singular Savior and a singular Spirit. See, when you're living in the world, the devil has many demons. The devil has many devils. The devil has many angels because the devil is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. So when He comes to you, He's on you hot and heavy because He can't be everywhere else. But He has workers. Workers of darkness. Workers workers that mean evil for you. Workers that will destroy you if you will let them. The devil has many angels. That's why the Bible says he's like a roaring lion. Seeking to and fro who, him, who he may devour, because he's sending all of his workers of darkness and workers of disobedience, seeking whom he may devour. But thanks be unto God that when we get born again, we get a singular spirit Amen. the spirit. Now, I understand that God has many angels and many seraphims that are uh, around the throne day and night crying. Holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty. I understand that. But God didn't have to send His angels to watch over you. He sent one Spirit because He's omnipresent and He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful and He's all-knowing and He can be everywhere at the same time. Bless God, uh, when you're in your lowest valley, when I'm I'm climbing my highest hill, I thank God that that same Spirit can be with me. That can be with you. Amen. Amen. In the suffering of a lost one. I'm glad that same spirit can be with you. While at the same time I'm rejoicing on the hill. Amen. Even in in the darkest of your night. He can be in my brightest day. Because he's that same spirit. He's one spirit. And I thank God. For sending him to us. To be our comforter. Nextly. In... uh, Verse uh, uh, 4, one body, one spirit, and one hope of your calling. What is the one hope of our calling? I particularly, and you can take my thoughts as a grain of, uh, of salt, but I particularly think that uh, the hope of your calling is the return of Christ. I particularly think that the meaning of that word calling is what Jesus said. He said, many are called but few are chosen. He's calling all to come unto him. And what is the hope of that calling? That hope of the calling is the return of Christ, is everlasting life, and is uh, the unity of the Spirit. I love this. He is one Lord. Notice. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. He is one Lord. I ain't got to say anything else. Because His Word says that He is the Lord of Lords. Meaning He is the one Lord. He's the only. He is the one and only. Moving on, there is one baptism. Or one faith. Verse 13, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Meaning one faith. And that faith is in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Word of God. Jude 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The same faith that was with Abraham in the beginning of time. The same faith that Noah had when he built the ark is the same faith that God has given to us in 2020. The same faith that was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same faith that was with Rahab the harlot when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. The same faith that was with uh, 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 Elijah when he got caught up in the whirlwind is the same faith that we have today. The same faith that the, the mother Mary had when the Holy Ghost came to her Uh, by night and said Mary thou highly beloved of God today you will conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel meaning God with us later on it says and you shall call him Jesus Jesus that same faith is with us today one baptism we weren't baptized into any denomination but we ought to have been baptized into Jesus Christ. Meaning that we have taken our old self. And we have taken our old flesh. And our old sins. And we have buried the old man down with Christ. That's what the baptistry re- represents. represents. When when I uh, take people down in, in immersion of baptism. It's laying down of the old. It's burying of the old. That, that old man will never rise again. But it is laying down of the old nature. That we might be raised in the newness of life. In Christ Jesus, there's one baptism. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says, The like figure, uh, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. That means not just taking a bath and cleaning the outside, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. So we see, number one, there's one body. Number two, there's one spirit. Number three, there's one hope. Number four, there's one Lord. Number five, there's one faith. Number six, there's one baptism. And lastly tonight, probably the best of all, there is one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. How do you walk in unity? By the one God and Father of all. We must walk in the unity of His Spirit, of His Word. Amen. Walk in the Word. Matthew Henry said this. He said, A sober use of the gifts that God has given us, as we must not on the one hand be proud of our talents, so on the other hand we must not bury them. Take heed, lest under a pretense of humility and self-denial we be slothful in laying out ourselves for the good of others, we must not say, I am nothing, therefore I will sit still and do nothing, but I am nothing in myself, and therefore I will lay out myself to the utmost in the strength of the grace of Christ. Going on down, he said, uh, See if I can find it here. He specifies the ecclesiastical offices appointed in particular churches, and the discharge of which each must study to do his own duty for the preserving of order and the promotion of edification in the church and knowing His place and fulfilling it. We must all know our place in the body of Christ. We must all know who is above all and through all and in you all. We must know Him, the one God, he is the creator of all nature. He is the creator of our intelligence and even the course of life and how we live. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in Him. And our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. We are made partakers in the fellowship of God by Jesus Christ. Therefore, by Jesus Christ, we can be in God. Seven times, and I'm closing with this. Seven times the word one is mentioned in these verses. Seven means completion. So when we become one with Jesus Christ by His death and resurrection, we come into perfect unity in the body of our Lord. The church, our brothers and sisters, but the flesh and sinful nature will always try to bring division and chisels. It will try to cause broken bones within the body, which will cause suffering to every member. But mainly, the Lord Jesus Christ is where our unity will be found. If there is to be unity in the church, it has to come by Jesus Christ. We of our sinful nature cannot of ourselves walk in unity. I believe there's one place, and I'll see if I can find it on my phone real quick. says to walk in the unity of the Spirit. Not exactly. Galatians 5.25 says if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What was Paul saying? Don't just abide in the Spirit, but let that abiding state in the Spirit cause us to walk in the Spirit. And when we do this, you can know that unity will follow because there is no confusion with God. There is no division in the Godhead. And there is no division in the Word of God. None. I mean, it's solid from front to back. There's no division. There's no schisms. There's no crevices. There's no, no cracks for the devil to get in. And if you want to have a strong church and if you want to have a strong body, you can't let something break your bones and cause a break and a divide. And a chisel because as soon as the the devil gets a small crack, he's gonna sliver his way in. He's gonna put a stick of C4 in it and watch it blow up. That's why many churches are split, because the devil slithered in. Put a couple sticks of C4 in the pews and step back and watch it explode. And I don't want to see that happen at Bluebell. No sir. I don't want to see that happen in Sepulpa. I don't want to see that happen in Oklahoma. You know, I believe that if every church in Oklahoma would come together in unity, no matter the denomination, if we would stand up for the unborn lives, we could shut down the government of the state of Oklahoma. If the churches would come together and take a stand for the unborn, friend, this state could be an abolitionist state. And abolish abortion. If the churches of America would come together, we could change this whole country by the Spirit of peace. By the Spirit of God. Not of ourselves. But if the body of Christ, the true body of Christ, would come together in prayer, in fasting, and in repentance, we could see America change. It wouldn't matter who became president on November 3rd because the church can make the difference. It's time the church be the church outside of these four walls. Amen? It's time that the church comes together. It's time for the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Methodists and the Baptists and the Church of God and the Pentecostals and all these other thousands of denominations to come together in one mind and one accord, agreeing on the Word of God that it is the true government system. If you want to learn how to run a country, just get in this. God told many kings how to run a country. Amen. He gave strict orders on how uh, David was to run the children of Israel. He gave uh, uh, King Jehoshaphat very strict orders. What well, about King Hezekiah? He told King Hezekiah exactly how he wanted Through the word of the prophets. Through the church. So if you want to see America run differently, get in the Bible. Get in the Bible. Be the church. Come together. Walk in unity. Walk in the Spirit. And not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think I'm done.